Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Pastor Chad Shapiro from Ignite Community Church. I want to thank you for listening to Saba Talks. And today we're, we're covering a disruptive message that should get you so excited about what God could do in, in your location and to be able to disrupt the community for His will, His spirit, His glory. Because we have Kyle Bloom, Pastor Kyle Bloom from Renegade Church. And he is going to be here. Uh, if you get a chance to introduce yourself, I'm so excited about what God's doing. Tell us a little bit about your background, Kyle, and about Renegade Church and everything that God's been doing there. Thank you, Chad. It's, it's an honor to be here, uh, first and foremost. And, and I'm excited about the opportunity to share some of what God is doing in our ministry. Uh, my background is very interesting. As a matter of fact, I was born Irish Catholic, and yeah. I was adopted and raised in a Jewish home. So I was bar mitzvahed and grew up in, in the temple and then went to Episcopal private schools and became a Baptist minister. So I've got a very eclectic <laughs> yeah. background. Uh, but that background has given me opportunity to see things from a broader perspective uh, that I think that's really helped me in ministry. Um, I was educated at the Criswell College in Dallas. I have two degrees from there, a uh, BA in pastoral ministry and an MA in historical and systematic theology. Uh, so I'm very Criswellian yeah. through and through, and I had an opportunity to uh, spend some time with Dr. Criswell before he passed on. Um, so that in itself makes me a very staunch, conservative Baptist statesman. Yeah. But I am not what you would consider uh, a traditional pastor in any yeah. way, and I'm certainly not bound by traditional Baptist ecclesiology. And I think to a certain degree... Um, the time is, is now yeah. for, to break out of some of that, some of the things that have held us in a stalemate or irrelevant to today's culture. So thank you for having me, and I'm excited to be here. Um, two years ago, I was led uh, back into vocational ministry. Uh, I was a pastor in Dallas for a number of years. I was licensed by Prestonwood Baptist and ordained at First Baptist Dallas, uh, but decided that it was time to pursue a law degree. So I went okay. to law school for a, a bit of time, two years I dedicated to that, uh, and then God called me back into vocational ministry. Yeah. Um, I thought perhaps I could use my whatever abilities I may have as a, as a voice for religious liberty in America, uh, not unlike um, some of the gentlemen that, that are fighting like Seculo and, and some of the others, but um, when God calls you to preach, you better preach. Mm -hmm. And he made it very clear to me that my place was the pulpit. So he called me back to ministry, and uh, we took on the responsibility of, of we, my wife and I, because we're a team in this effort, um, took over the pastoral responsibilities at Harmony Hills Baptist Church. And it's, it was an interesting opportunity in that I knew from the outset it was going to be a profound challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, it was what we might consider to be a, a dying Baptist church, uh, one that is, uh, was stuck in, in a rut, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think that they were pretty much in the grave, personally. But I, I saw that as a profound opportunity to, to show that God was still on the move, that he was doing things, that there, there's the chance of revitalization if you open your mind and heart to what God's will and plan is. Yeah. Uh, I knew it would be a challenge, and I, and I decided to take it on. They called me as pastor, and almost immediately I was struck with the reality that something drastically different had to take place. Mm -hmm. And as with any adventure that I take on, I, I, I sat back and I, I planned a strategy and, and I started implementing it very slowly, uh, as you have to do oftentimes with an entrenched power structure in churches. Uh, but God blessed it, 
and blessed our work, and we saw our church grow from 10 members yeah. to uh, upwards of 50 in membership and almost 80 in attendance on Sunday. So it was an exciting time for us, but we were still struck with some very real obstacles uh, in doing ministry in our community. Uh, originally, when Harmony Hills Baptist Church opened, they were in what might be considered an affluent community mm -hmm. uh, there in Harmony Hills. And over time, the, the demographic had changed mm -hmm. drastically. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, the neighborhood had become Section 8 housing, and there were two large apartment buildings, uh, and most of the community was very impoverished and mm -hmm. underprivileged and, quite frankly, unchurched. Mm -hmm. um, so if a church is to indeed minister to the community within which it finds itself, then we had to start looking at how do we minister to the people in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had to start changing some things. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that we did was we got involved. We let the community know we were there. Uh, we started meeting their physical needs and their, uh, the other needs that they had. We had a food pantry. We did vocational training. We did job and resume help oh, and those kind great. of things. As a means of addressing what we saw were the needs because you can't just sit and preach the gospel and not yeah. meet some of those needs. You right. have to build relationships, yeah. and that's what we did. And over the course of about a year or so, we saw some tremendous growth. But then we started realizing that uh, any growth that we were having was, was as transient as the population we were ministering to. Mm -hmm. uh, and there were several reasons for that. Uh, number one, the culture that surrounded us was not... Uh, educated in the responsibilities of a church member. Mm -hmm. and as much as we like to preach and teach the principles of stewardship and so on, uh, the people we were ministering to were unable or unwilling to contribute to our ministry, financially speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, put a tremendous strain on us. Sixty new people with financial needs as opposed to the ability to contribute Support. Right. Uh, does deplete the resources. Yes. And so it was with us. And uh, so we had to pray about what a new, our direction would be. Um, initially, when I took over as pastor, uh, Harmony Hills Baptist Church has sought Sabbath help with regard to whether or not they were going to be financially able to continue a viable ministry. Uh, Sabbath came up with a, a proposal and, and offered to help, uh, and at that time they, they decided not to. Uh, mm -hmm. So they called me as pastor, and, and I was presented with two options at this time, with depleted resources, revisit that proposal that Sabbath had, mm -hmm. or listen to that still small voice that I knew was there that was goading me into a vastly different direction. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, to look into selling our building and starting completely fresh in an area that's unfettered by the past of our building and so on. Uh, one of the interesting things about our decision was that we found that the biggest obstacle to, to a viable ministry in our neighborhood was the church itself. Mm -hmm. The building itself, it, it represented everything that Baptists were in 1965. Gotcha. But the people in today's culture were either not comfortable with that or, and as much as it's shame to say, uh, there, was this, there was a certain stigma. Yeah. Uh, that the people in that community had for the moniker Baptist. Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. uh, we decided that we would change the name from Harmony Hills Baptist Church to Harmony Hills Church. Uh, I had I'd been on staff at Prestonwood when they changed their name to Prestonwood Church, and I thought it might be one of the ways to overcome some of that. But it turned out that the building itself, the traditional aspects of our building, was the thing that was keeping people from connecting sure. in a viable way. 
Yeah. So in prayer, and as we uh, discussed it as a church, and we voted to look into selling our building, it was our focus then, what do we do, how do we go forward, and what kind of image do we want to present to a culture that is unable to connect to the traditional past? And that's when it came to me. Now, I'm not sure if it was a, a unified effort or if it was directly from God, uh, but I, I began a Bible study at Harley-Davidson about six months ago, a mm -hmm. men's study that was originally started by a gentleman at CBC. And it's been, it's been a neat opportunity to see Christian men work together, learn together, and come alongside from an ecumenical perspective because mm -hmm. it's built of Baptists, Lutherans, mm -hmm. Methodists, mm -hmm. even Catholics, and, and uh, people from other denominational offshoots. But it was exciting and inviting and enticing, and it was, it was, there was a certain commonality built around the idea of the Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Yeah. My wife and I are both, uh, both have Harley-Davidsons and ride, and, and I said, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could do something that captured that spirit, that yeah. American spirit of freedom and, and a certain sense of raw edge zeal yeah. and passion yeah. and, and, and do so from a, a, a very entrenched Baptist perspective? Wouldn't it be neat if we could present a new Baptist view or, or per, a, a new persona that culture could say, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I want to be yeah. some. I want to be a part of something that's viable and growing and exciting and different. Um, the culture hasn't changed in that everyone that's out there outside of Christ presently is still looking for something. Yeah. But what they're looking for is much different than it was in 1965. Yeah. Yeah. So we've decided to uh, move from our location into what was originally an automotive shop. Oh, perfect, perfect. It's a 2,000-square-foot warehouse-type facility and then with a 1,000-square-foot office space. And what we're going to do is be the unchurch, if you will. Yeah. We are going to be staunchly conservative Baptist, theologically speaking, but our methodology is going to be vastly different yeah. than what we've done in the past. Uh, we want to be a church that is, that is actively pursuing those people that are out there that are on the fringe, those people that may not find themselves comfortable within a traditional church environment. And we want to essentially take the responsibility of the Great Commission seriously and go out yeah. and make disciples of yeah. those hurt, broken, faulty, fractured people who need Jesus. Yeah. And we're going to do it in a way that is a little less divisive than perhaps some of our traditional methods. We're going to go out there and we're going to say, you know, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you look like, we love you. Yeah. And and we're gonna we're gonna open our hearts and homes and, and our building to a, a whole wealth of people that just need to feel the love of Christ. Amen. So we're excited about the opportunity. Uh, as a matter of fact, today I'm I'm going to mow the lawn and start preparing the grounds and we're beginning our painting. So by the end of this month we should begin to roll out our advertising and marketing campaign. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce in New Braunfels is going to, to be instrumental in that. And we're going to see what God can do with people who are willing to just be available yeah. and pliable. Yeah. And we're going to hopefully make a difference. We're hopefully going to stand out in a culture uh, that is unfamiliar with the gospel, at least from the perspective that God still loves people. Yeah. And and we're gonna we're gonna be out there in the trenches trying to to make that message relevant today. Oh man, I we're love excited it. About it.
I love it. It it totally reminds me of Jesus himself when he came and the, the people he had a harder time with than anybody was were the Pharisees, you know, who were kind of held to themselves above everybody else, but he was a disruptor and he grabbed the people that were marginalized that maybe wouldn't have been as welcome in that kind of a uh church setting there of what the Pharisees were doing. And, but he built his church. He discipled him. He walked with him. He ate with him. He did all that stuff with him. And then we're still preaching and teaching and loving from, you know, being discipled through that model ever since. And, and so you guys are doing the same. Absolutely. And there, there was some concern uh, about the name Renegades. Ah, that's fun. I like it. <laughs> some said that it might portray an image that was either inappropriate or, or counter-biblical and so on. But I, the idea, just to clarify, the idea is uh, very much in the same way that the apostles were renegades. Yeah. And they, they spread the message in a world that hated them, and, and they were unafraid in doing so, and they were willing to step outside of their comfort zone. And, and, and very much like Luther or Zwingli or Calvin, mm-hmm. uh, or even our American forefathers that were patriots. I, I want to yeah, embody that, that, <laughs> yeah. that patriotic, heartfelt drive and, and couple that with a passion of a burning heart for the, the gospel message. Amen. And that is what Renegades is going to be. It's not that we're rebellious or not that we're outlaw, but the reality is we want to be different and be productive and profitable in reaching people for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. We want to step outside of the bounds of, of what traditionally would have been you're on my team and you're on this or the denominational de- divides and in- embrace a kingdom mentality. Yeah. So in that regard, we are a bit renegade. Yeah. But I think that it's time. Yeah. Some, some have said that I'm not your traditional pastor, and I'm, I'm not. Yeah. But I believe that God's raising up a, a new breed of pastor yeah. that, is, that are warriors. Yes. That are yeah. thick-skinned, that yeah. have a certain rhino thick skin, that are yeah. not deterred by what people think or, or what they say about them, but are headlong, faces flint, all in, yeah. to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus. Amen, I'm amen. Ashamed. You know, I love it, I love it. And we might find the traditional, the stereotypical pastor, you know, might be pastoring, you know, speaking to the choir, people that are already in, not really disrupting the community. And that in this day and age, to be able to be Jesus' hands and feet and to go do what he did is not that. You know I mean, it is being... A renegade going out and so, doing something different, and there there will always be a place for that as yeah. well. And and I I want to make make it very clear that I am in no way uh, wanting to tear down the foundations that were so great in in building us to what we are Amen. today. Yes, uh, but the Baptists who have been our backbone are eventually dying off, and those those paradigms and and the the ecclesiology that has kept us in that there's a place for it until such time as is that. Those people are gone. And then what? Will we remain irrelevant or will yeah. we address the, the changing culture around us? So I think there's a, there's a place for both. And we will build upon the foundation that they built for us and then charge onward, unafraid yeah. and unashamed. I think you're making a very important distinction. When we talk about disruption, we're not talking about changing the fundamental values of what Jesus taught us. Um, and we're talking about loving on the community, teaching those values, but the outreach methods, the care methods, the methods, you know, the breaking down the walls, um, you know, that is what we're talking about disrupting the most. And it's, it's also important to note that doing things differently 
does not in any any way mean that we are not distinctively Baptist. Right. Uh, the things that are distinctively Baptist and the, the theology that we hold dear and our Baptist faith and message must remain a foundational part of what we do. But our methodology yeah. needs to change in order to address the needs of the culture. So please keep in mind, as we as we move forward and everything else, we are in all things first Christian, yeah, second Baptist, yeah, and then we're people who love, yeah. And so that's that's what we want to be. But uh, we, we will remain uh, conservative Baptist statesmen, but doing things differently in order to bring more into our fold, as it were. Amen. And in, in like you mentioned with the, your old location about how some of these communities have changed, you know, that's really what disruption is about, is understanding that maybe what worked to be outreach tools and methodology back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2010, is maybe a different community now, different needs now, different, um, you know, especially if culture drifts away um, it creates more opportunity for us to really go out and love on them and to in, and to be the salt and light, you know, that maybe before was a majority, and now we have opportunity to outreach to everybody. I was I spent the majority of my career, and as I was in seminary, as an automotive and diesel mechanic, and uh, it served me well for a very long time. But building an engine back in 1983 and repairing the the dysfunction in cars back then is different than it is today. Perfect I can't walk example. in there with a three-quarter inch ratchet and, and a wrench in hand with a flathead screwdriver and expect to fix something that's controlled by a computer. Yeah, yeah. Our tools have to change uh, in I order to meet the needs. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're just expanding our toolbox in a way that makes us effective. Yeah. And, and I think that's the future of, of, of not only Baptist life, but the, the presentation of the gospel. Yeah. How do we do it in a way that's effective? And how do we do it in a way that's relevant to a culture that's still desperately in need? Yes. Well, thank you for being here, Pastor Kyle. Renegade Church, what's the location? Of- we are at 960 uh, South Interstate 35, which what you'll find is the corner of Walnut and 35, right on the corner, so it's visible, and there's even a huge billboard that we're going to utilize, oh, awesome. so people can see it from at least two miles away. Uh, uh, so God has given us a location that's easy to get to, highly visible, it's a, a high-traffic area, uh, so we should be able to see a profound uh, impact there on the corner of Walnut and Interstate 35. Well, we will continue praying for you. That was Saba Talks, talking about disruption with Pastor Kyle. Thank you for getting a chance to listen to this, and we uh, encourage you to share it out there. There might be somebody that you share this with that, you know, they they hear the message where his might be the Harleys and being disruptive in, in that methodology. They might get inspired to do it in a whole different direction, but it's all to glorify Christ, and we thank you. God bless you. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom.